now we're recording. All right. It's like George. So, it's like George Decay. Uh, George Decay. Decay. Yeah. It's like door. Yeah. yeah. What I say? Decay. What I say? Decay. Yeah. I didn't. Mean yeah. To say you that. said decay. Well, he is old. So. <laughs> Oh man, man, man! <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, back from his vacation, Michael. Did you miss me, people? Be I'm honest. Sure, I'm sure there's at least one or two that might have missed you. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's that's pretty much what I expected. So, yeah, it's good to be back. Uh uh, in case, I think Travis, you mentioned it, but I took myself a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I was on sort of a social media sabbatical there for uh, about a week and a half and decided to take some time, work on some projects that I have here at, at my home and through my job and just kind of put all my focus onto that. But it feels really good to be back on the podcast and we're going to talk about a really awesome film tonight. So yeah, good times. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. So you came back just in time for Kaiju Quarantine 3 Ooh, in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so which we have a uh an email to answer about that. Um which yeah, we'll get into it at the end of this episode. Oh boy, I'm but excited. Let's go ahead and dive into this episode and normally at this point in time, we would be queuing the BDBD, but we're not going to be queuing the BDBD because we are recording too early in the week to have any kind of news to talk about. So we decided well, to fill this space with something else. Wait, hang on. There's no BDBD? There's no BDBD no this BD week? Well, okay, okay. I'll put the BDBD in just for you, just so okay. that you can feel safe and secure okay. and be like, good. nothing has changed since you left. It's all right. Everything's good. Right, uh, I'm in my <laughs> safe space now, people. I'm in my safe space. <laughs> um, but so, so people who listened to the episode where Elijah uh, filled in for you, Michael, uh, may have heard us talk about the Monster Hunter. Uh, it was it was the short preview kind of um, trailer. It wasn't a full trailer uh, that we got. We finally got a full trailer for it this week, so we could talk about that. But since we, me and Elijah already talked about it, I didn't want to really get into it. Sure. Um, what listeners may not know is that that conversation between me and Elijah went on for an extra 10 minutes, but all of it got cut out of the episode. Okay. And that's because we were kind of floundering because none of us knew anything about the video games and there was not a lot to talk about with the uh, trailer. So the little, the short trailer that we got. Um, so uh, I decided we really need to bone up on, on our monster hunter stuff. You know, it's like, like we've got the new trailer. Everybody, everybody on Twitter was like either reacting with, Hey, this looks fun or I hate this. How dare they? As, 
as per the internet, they the, as per the internet, I think we've talked about in the past, Travis, that the internet is a place where people overreact. Oh yeah, for sure. But gotcha. uh, because we don't we don't know anything, you know. I know you're the same way. We don't really know that much about the video game side of things. So mm-hmm. I figure to to prepare us for the movie, we need to learn more about these video games and the Monster Hunter lore. So what's okay. the best? So 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 this is when you ask. So how are we going to do that? So Travis, tell us. Tell me and the and the listeners at home, how are we going to do that? Well, we could either uh, look it up on Wikipedia and read all the intro, all the inf- info about the franchise and the video games. But okay. why would we do that? That seems like a lot of work. It does seem like a lot of work. And we could also play the video games themselves, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like we're going to actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> so Nobody I decided to do that. Right. So I decided I found this personality quiz on uh, <laughs> uquiz.com <laughs> called What Monster Hunter Monster Are You? And I want us to, me and you both, to answer these questions. There's seven questions, and we're going to find out what monster from the Monster Hunter video games we are. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's. This is a first, people. We're we're taking a personality quiz live on the air. Oh yep. boy, I'm scared. I'm I'm yep. terrified right now. So, uh, so <laughs> this is what we're going to do now, people. Uh, this is either going to be a lot of fun or really, really tedious. Let's find out. So the first thing it asks you to do, it's not one of the questions, but it asks you to put in your name. So I'm putting in my name on mine. I have, I have two tabs open, one for me and one for you, so we can both oh, okay. take that's, this at that's the same good. time. That's good. Uh, and so let's see. Enter your name. Chuckle. Let me type it in. Chuckle snuffle pop all right there we go (laughs) now question Uh, are we going to share the results of these quizzes on our social medias we can we can okay that sounds like a fun way to do it yeah yeah so monster hunter monsters are big small strong weak and many more but which one are you cannot wait to find out okay so the question is if you go on to a fight would you call friends for help Say no and run to the nearest river and hide. Eat the guy who challenged you. (laughs) Pin him down and then jump in the air and punch him right in the face at full power. Okay. Okay. Laugh at them and then obliterate them. Uh, Fight trying to sleep. WTF, I told you to go away. Rams into guy and crushes him. I'm going to pick... Laugh and obliterate. Laugh at them and then obliterate. Okay. Yes. All right. That's you. And then I am, I mean, the way I feel right now, it's like, I'm trying to sleep. Leave me alone. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, fight trying to sleep. WTF. I told you to go away. Rams into guy and crushes him. Gotcha that that sounds like me that sounds accurate yeah 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 that sounds like me okay uh what is your favorite color 
uh, blue, brown, pink, green, red, and green, yellow. That's an odd thing to say, say red and green. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm gonna go with blue. Okay, blue. I mean, give, okay, judging by the number of spelling mistakes in all of these questions, I'm guessing this is put together by someone who uh, probably, probably like a young person. You know, not, not, not like our age. Um, no, Elijah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Elijah. Was this you? No, <laughs> Elijah doesn't know enough about Monster Hunter. Okay. Question three, uh, favorite food, mm. anything I like, uh, anything I like meat, even if it's raw and freshly killed large fish, small fish. I don't know. I like bacon bugs. Uh, meat, but only cooked. Hmm. Well, I do like my steak anywhere between medium rare to medium. So I'm going to go with raw meat. Raw meat. Okay. Anything. I like meat, even if it's raw and freshly killed. Pretty much. I do like meat. That is that. Wait, hang on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Bugs is kind of a tempting thing, you know. Like I, I, I just had bugs for dinner today, so it might be the one that I need to pick. <laughs> uh, I'm going with the one that's like I don't know. I like bacon. <laughs> bacon is always a good choice. Yeah, bacon's always a good choice. <laughs> okay, next question. If someone wanted to race you, you would. Say yes, then get your friends to harass the guy during the race. <laughs> Say no, but ask if they have food. <laughs> I know which one I'm picking. Uh, trying to sleep. I'll do it later. <laughs> Actually, no, I, now I know which one I'm going to pick. <laughs> uh, say yes, if it's a swimming race. Say yes, but bet something. Say racists suck and punch the guy. <laughs> okay. I know no, what Henry would pick, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, 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 it, it sounds like a winning strategy to me to say yes, but have all of my friends heckle them the whole time so that I win. So I'm going to go with that one. All right, then that's wow. <laughs> wow. So play dirty. That's your way of doing it. Play dirty. Right. Oh, what, what is it? Uh, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a mi- an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Yeah, very true. <laughs> uh, yeah, me, I, I, again, the way I feel right now, trying to sleep, I'll do it later. <laughs> All right, question five. Uh, your friend asks you to do something really embarrassing. Uh, you do what? Say no and remind them that they are your minion? I know which one you're picking. Uh, <laughs> say yes, but never do it. I have no friends. Everyone's too scared of me. Uh, okay, I'm I'm feeling like this is this quiz is less telling me which um which monster from Monster Hunter I am and what kind of um internet troll I am because this is like all stuff that like internet. People. It does sound oddly familiar. Like I feel like we've ran across people like this recently. I think I think these people have commented on our YouTube videos before. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. we're not. Our YouTube channel is not big enough to get hate 
hate comment yet. <laughs> um, the, the other options are say no and punch that guy. Say yes because you respect your many friends. Uh, yeah, uh, and say yes because you don't want to upset one of your one of your few friends. What am I like? What am I saying yes to? Uh, doing something embarrassing. Oh, uh, well, it's gonna be a no answer. So say no and remind them that they are your minion. Say no and punch that guy. Or I have no friends. Everyone's too scared of me. I'm going to say no and punch that guy. <laughs> All right. Um, I was going to say, like, you know, your friend asks you to do something embarrassing, like like trying to do the Space Woman challenge on Twitter that you never did, but I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're uh, right. Huh? Yeah. Hmm. We just won't talk about that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say yes, because I respect my friends. Well, aren't you just a nice person, Travis? Yeah, and, and this quiz doesn't matter, so I don't care if I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question six. Someone stronger than your friend, but weaker than you, beats up your friend. Do you Hulk smash that guy? No one hurts my friend. Uh, sleep, then kill that guy, then sleep. <laughs> Meh, he's just your minion. I can get a new one. <laughs> which, which, wait, wait, wait. He's your minion, so I can get a new one. The, the, that. <sighs> okay, I think it's supposed to be he's just my minion. I can get a new one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what friends, man? Now you're just teasing me. However, I will beat that guy up and then eat him. Uh, I'm going to go with... Well, hold on, hold on. There's, still, there's still two more options. Okay, okay. okay. Grr, scare him away. Uh, and then, boom, I just killed him. Well, I was going to go with Hulk Smash, but boom, I just killed him is going to be the winner. I just, <laughs> boom. Took him out for you. There you go, buddy. All right. And I'm going to go with Hulk Smash. Hulk Smash! No one hurts my friend. Oh uh, God! <laughs> okay, out of these, which is your favorite? So we've got Sea Monster, T Rex, Sleep, Velociraptor, or Komodo Dragon. <laughs> what? Oh, and oh, and a giant tank that shoots that shoots exploding sticky bombs and completely decimates everything it meets. Forgot about that one. I'm gonna go with T-Rex. Okay, I gotta be on yours. Uh, T-Rex. <laughs> oh man, I, I got. I, I'm going with. I'm going. <laughs> I don't know. A giant tank that shoots exploding sticky bombs and completely <laughs> decimates everything it meets. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going with sleep because, yeah. <laughs> Of course. All right. And now we get our results. Are you excited for this? I'm very excited. I love taking personality tests for fictional characters because I always wind up with the weirdest stuff. So let's go for it. All right. Yours is Brachydios. 
Brackadios. Wow. That's exactly what I would have put down for you, you know? Like, like when people ask me what kind of person is Michael, of course I'm gonna say Brackadios. Brackadios. Okay, so what is what is the personality traits of a Brackadios, Travis? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I was just like, I'm not even gonna read the personality traits, just go with that. Like, yeah, yeah, that that yeah, of course. <laughs> Michael, he's obviously a Brachidios. Um, no, so so uh, it says hot-tempered and rash. You may find yourself a ticking time bomb that will go boom the second someone does something you don't like. Hot temperatures are your favorite. You have only a few close friends. Exploring is your thing, and you don't have a big family. Not many will try to fight you, as you have a reputation for being strong. Yeah, um, makes sense right. to me. Makes yep. perfect sense to me. All right, let's see what yours is. All right, uh, mine is uh, Lagiricus. 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 Uh, while while we're looking that up, let me read out the uh, the personality so it says a reputation to be the best. You send chills down your opponent's spines whenever it wants to fight you whenever they want to fight you. Some people find you electrifying and you are also a good swimmer. You also have lots of friends and you are very popular. Not many will dare challenge you. Yep. That's exactly the type of person I am. That is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I am completely, I am electrifying. I can see that. <laughs> um, Oh, oh, I've seen this one before. I like this one. Uh, looks sort of like a Titanosaurus, maybe? A little? Mm. Maybe? Yeah, kind of like um, a Titanosaurus, kind of like a, like a, it is a sea monster. I think I like yours more than mine. I want to trade. <laughs> I don't know. I like mine. It, 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 you know what it reminds me of? Part of it, or at least the head part, reminds me of the uh, Emugi from oh, Dragon yeah, yeah, Wars, yeah, yeah. from D Wars. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so I'm keeping it because uh, I love D Wars. <laughs> so I'm keeping this one. This one's cool. I like this one. All right. I would have now, like, if I had, if I was choosing, if I could choose the only. Uh, Monster Hunter monster I'm aware of, uh, and I don't even know the name. I just know it's like the Black Panther thing with wings. Um, oh yeah, the one they just released kind of that like, figure of um, Narga Kuga, Narga Kuga, yeah. something like that's that. What, Close enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I just looked it up. Narga Kuga. That that's the one. That's my fi like of of all the pictures I've seen of monsters in Monster Hunter. That one's my favorite because I love bats. I love cats. And it's like a good mix of a cat and a bat. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, yeah. So, you think we now we've now we've learned enough about Monster Hunter that we can uh, go into the movie and know exactly like all the context of everything? And I feel fully prepared to now call myself a Monster Hunter aficionado. Absolutely. We are Monster Hunter experts. All yes. you gamers, step aside. Yes. Dweebs. Uh, we're, we're, coming <laughs> we're, coming we're, we're Here we are. Rock, we're going to rock you like a hurricane. <laughs> Just 
Oh, man. So from now on, anytime we talk about Monster Hunter, we'll make sure to let everyone know we are the Monster Hunter experts. So when we we eventually review Monster Hunter on this podcast, we will be bona fide experts. Absolutely. We will will know more about Monster Hunter than people who have probably been playing the games for 20 years because because simply we took this personality test. And so we possess the traits of these monsters. So we, they are ingrained in our DNA. Yeah. We don't need to play the games. We live the games. No, we live it every single day, (laughs) every day, 24, seven, seven days a week. What was mine called again? I don't exit out of the tab. I don't even remember what mine was called at this point. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Well, um so listeners i hope this was, was called fun. like what laurenitis no what La- laryngitis Lar- yeah, wait, hang- mine was laryngitis and yours was something else <laughs> something it had it had green hands and a blue body that's all i remember yeah and yours looked cool though yours did look cool yeah <laughs> so you think that's enough that we can move on to our main topic for this week I don't know. As much as I want to linger on this Monster Hunter personality test for another 30 minutes, we might want to move on. Yeah, yeah, it's time to move on. Okay, so let's move into our main topic for this week. Uh, we ask trivia questions each week to hint to our movie that, we're re- that we are reviewing. And last week I asked the question, what movie in Ray Harryhausen's filmography was the first to be filmed in color? And we got a lot of answers. So, starting with Monster Island Film Vault uh, tweeted at us, The beast from the seventh voyage of Jason and the Argonauts that came from beneath the sea to clash with the Titans. (laughs) That is a mouthful. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Bravo, Nathan, for for stringing all that together. And it actually make somewhat coherent sense. Congratulations, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, and then we also got Kyoe Toshi who sent in, you might hear that it's seventh voyage of Sinbad, but it's actually really the animal world. This would have been right before the seventh voyage of Sinbad. So technically Kyoe is right that this was the movie that, that uh, was the first one he did in color. Um, because the segments that he helped produce, but because he was not, the only special effects person like this wasn't his special effects thing this was him and willis o'brien working together um Mm -hmm. i think that's why most people don't count it but yeah if you're if you're being technical um kyoe is right as per the usual kyoe you are always a great source of information if you're listening to this please keep sending us tweets and stuff help us understand especially when it comes to japanese things because we as two 30 year old american idiots um have no idea have no idea oh that's right you're a, you're a baryonyx that's right uh <laughs> exactly get it right I, I, i'm the i'm the laryngitis you're the baryonyx oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Uh, so <laughs> monsters, uh, giant monster BS sent us an answer. Yeah, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, 
they appear it appears that they wrote in mm, Onsters Inc. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Exactly right. That's exactly uh, the right answer. Thank you guys. Um the conspiracy continues. Yep, it does. Uh and then Jimmy from NASA sent in from 20,000 fathoms to 20 million miles Beast versus Ymir. And then Mark Mancini sent The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, i.e. my all-time favorite fantasy movie. Thank you, Mark. Good choice, Mark. Uh, And then Alex Sperling sent in Seventh Voyage to 20 Million Miles from 20,000 Fathoms. I like how people just keep merging all of the movies together into one. It's like, that's like, uh, it, like everybody's doing that. It just seems like. I know it's, it's, it, I don't know who started the trend, but it, I don't know. It, maybe it's a happy accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jordan McCloskey uh, sent in, I believe this was seventh voyage of Sinbad right around that time. At least it was right around that time for sure. Uh, and mm-hmm. yes, uh, Jordan, you are correct. It's seventh voyage of Sinbad. Uh, Spectre or at Eel Zap on Twitter sent in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> and my favorite uh, comment for this week, just because it's funny, is Invader Design who sent in Honey, I Shrunk the Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> because not only is it funny because there's a Cyclops in the movie, but it involves shrinking too. Shrinking happens in the movie. So it like works. And it's not the shrinkage that you guys are thinking either. So get your minds out of the gutter. Why? why, why, Look, I had two weeks of keeping the, the, of, of, of raising the profile of this podcast out from the, from the gutter, from the, from the heap that it had been pushed into. And then you gotta go, go and ruin our reputation all over again. What? No, 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 sir. I, I, I elevate this show. uh anyway our main topic is seventh voyage of sinbad from 1958 directed by nathan h juaren juaren juren i don't know how to say his last name uh we've went went through this travis it's warren is it warren okay yes okay (laughs) i don't don't ever remember how to pronounce the last name uh he do uh he directed uh um it came from beneath from beneath the sea, I think. Probably. Um, it stars Curran Matthews, Kerwin Matthews, uh, Catherine Grant, Richard Ayer as the genie, Torin Thatcher, and special effects by Ray Harryhausen. And the plot breakdown is when a princess is shrunken by an evil magician, Sinbad must undertake a quest to an island of monsters to cure her and prevent a war. So getting into our opening thoughts, what are your opening thoughts on seventh voyage of Sinbad? Everything was good. I like this movie except for I think that the two main lead characters feel a little out of place. What? What? Even Sinbad? Yes. What? Yes. Explain yourself. Kerwin is your average white dude trying to play an Arabian uh, an Arabian adventure hero. I mean, yeah, but it was the 1950s. Well, true, but still, yeah, in subsequent movies like Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, the golden voyage of Sinbad, uh, he's played by an actual 
Arabian looking person. So I just feel like they could have cast the film better, honestly. Mm-mm-mm. I disagree. I, well, I mean, I, like, I don't disagree that if you're getting, if you're, if you have an Arabian character, maybe go with someone who's of Middle Eastern descent to play them. I mean, they right. did that with the new Aladdin uh, movie by Guy Ritchie uh, that came out what last year, year before, whenever. Yeah, something like that. And uh, and so yeah, that yeah, I totally, yeah, totally, I totally agree with that. But at the same time. I really liked Kerwin Matthews as Sinbad. I liked his acting. I think he did a fantastic job. I really was surprised at how much I enjoy his acting. Uh, Well, you know, outside of that, I mean, obviously, you know, outside of what I just, the negative that I just shared, I mean, his acting is fine. It's a good movie. I love this movie. I, uh, you know, this is a very memorable film for me and a very influential film for me growing up. I do have a little bit of, nostalgia for this film like i do with a lot of harryhausen films but this is a legitimately good adventure film and i would put this up against a lot of any probably any other modern day adventure film that kind of ventures into this area of history or tries to anyway i would have i would put it up against that because this film does hold up so well over time in fact when, uh, um, I think it was when I was watching it last night, I tweeted out, this does not feel like a 1950s adventure movie or 1950s fantasy movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like this film was ahead of its time as far as like cinematography. The score was pretty good. The obviously, you know, the Harryhausen maquettes, the effects, excellent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I, this really did not feel like a movie made in the 1950s to me. No, like w- the word I use in my final thoughts, um, which we'll get to later, is timeless. This mm-hmm. movie feels so timeless. It There's yeah. the the everything came together so well. I think the acting was great. I think the sets were great. I think, of course, Ray Harryhausen goes without saying his his work was great. Uh, and the music was great. And you, you said, oh, the music was good. No, I, I, don't, I don't just say good. The music was fantastic. Like, this uh, is... You know, it did feel a little generic at times, though. No, no. The music was fantastic. This is, like, from the very beginning, when they're still doing the, what is it, Columbia? I think, yeah, Columbia Pictures uh, um, mm-hmm. at the beginning. And the music starts right at the beginning. It's like it transports you into this world of adventure and and just like it, it, I compare it to uh, to the way that uh, John Williams' score for Indiana Jones kind of just brings you into the adventure story. And and so I think the music is absolutely a a stellar part of this movie. That in my opinion. Um, this is like I'm like you. I of course Ray Harryhausen, a lot of Ray Harryhausen movies have a lot of nostalgia um for me because I grew up watching them. And this one I think more than a lot of the others because I watched this one. I think this one and the Mysterious Island are probably ones I watched the most uh as a kid. So, Interesting because I 
um, I don't remember watching Mysterious Island a whole lot. Now I'm, I, 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 I've seen it. I remember mm-hmm. it. Like I got, like I think we watched it together a few months ago just for fun. And I remember that film, and I remember it being a very good film, and it still is a good film. It does, it does hold up pretty well over time. Um, but that was one that I'm not super nostalgic for. Maybe because it just wasn't on a lot when I was growing up. I don't mm-hmm. know. But I know Seventh Voyage of Sinbad was on T on the on TNT all the time. That and uh, I think Jason and the Argonauts was on all the time. Beast mm-hmm. from Twenty Thousand Fathoms was on TMC a lot. Uh, that just but but for me and you that goes sort of without saying. There is a there is a lot of nostalgia for for some of these Harryhausen films, and I can appreciate them uh, above again, some of more, some even contemporary films that are made within the last few years. I continually go, I continually go back to some of these classic fantasy films. Um, not just because, you know, I grew up with them, but because they're actually good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, the, I remember when I was a kid and I remember, um, having a train set mm-hmm. and, my dad would actually draw like he would make um, cardboard cutouts of things for the train to go like through, like, you know, you could cut out little, he would cut out little tunnels and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I remember him drawing and, and cutting out on cardboard uh, a picture of the Cyclops with its legs kind of like bowed so that the train could actually go through the legs of the Cyclops okay. and stuff and, and giving that to me and, and having that on the train set like that, that's how closely tied to my childhood this movie is. And so, yeah, watching this was definitely a nostalgia trip. Um, so that being said, I am definitely going to have a lot more positive things to say about this than negatives. So I think our, our positivity sandwich is definitely going to be lopsided more towards the positives. Um, but before we just spend the whole time gushing about this film, Mm -hmm. since we've already kind of done a few positives, are there any negatives that you want to talk about? Uh, aside from just, I feel like the, I feel like the lead, the the lead roles for the princess and Sinbad could have been cast a little bit better. Um, the acting was fine. The acting was good. I'm just saying that I wish they would have cast them to look, to resemble people of that time period and of that geological location is what I'm trying to say. Uh, right. Well, I mean, we've 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 dealt with that before in movies like with with um what was one we just covered not too long ago where they where they uh painted the islanders to look darker it was it's um uh godzilla versus uh, a sea monster yeah yeah but i don't uh i mean it's not it's not as blatantly obvious there though because that's actually believable that you know maybe they just have a good tan but here it's blatantly obvious that our lead our lead roles here are not from this area in the world uh whereas it's and it's and it's completely obvious when you in the in the um it's the scene toward the beginning of the film when they're in the ballroom and when they're in the throne room together and the dancer appears and the magician mm-hmm. turns her into the snake and and all that um everyone there looks to be from this area in the world, except for these two people that stick out like a sore thumb to me. 
that's really my only complaint, honestly. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, we've we've dealt with movies where that that kind of like whitewashing and and the like, or even even with um, was it uh, beast uh, the uh, twenty million miles to Earth with all the Italian people and oh, that, yeah. like yeah, yeah. you know, like we've dealt with that before, and yes, it is it's it's a tragic thing from that time period that I'm glad they're starting to move away from and they're starting to do better with in movies. But so, I mean, that it's just, you have to take it in the, in the context of the 1950s. And I mean, we just, there's nothing we can do about that uh, except for learn from it. And so I'm glad that movies nowadays I have learned from it, but, uh, but I still like, I'm still on the side of, I think the acting by Kerwin Matthews was fantastic. I think he did an an amazing job. The one that if you're talking about characters and, and actors who stood out, from the rest of them, the most was the magician. Uh, yeah, I like I loved the magician. L- like I liked him. Oh, I absolutely liked him. I loved his hammy, just chewing the scenery acting. It was so oh, great. Should, yeah, yeah, but he definitely stands out because he's not uh, Middle Eastern, and he is not. He doesn't like even his the way he dresses and stuff doesn't fit in with everyone else there. So it just yeah, he does stand out a little bit for me um one of the complaints i have uh for this movie is the genie the genie doesn't really do a whole lot no no it's and that's really unfortunate i wish they could have built on i i wish they could have built more into that storyline because you get you see the genie appear in the first few minutes of the film really when they first come to the island because it, it this film does not waste any time at all oh, no. um and you see the genie appear but he's i mean the it's it's a kid if anybody's never watched this movie the genie is, a, is literally a child it's this little it's a child genie whatever um and He's there. He's on screen to cast a spell or make or grant a wish to put a barrier between uh, this one Cyclops and our heroes. And then he appears later on in a scene with the princess. And that's pretty much it, except and then, for and then at the end, he, he, and at the very end, he, he doesn't have a huge role in this movie, except for revealing the, um, what is it, the riddle that would uh, that would set the princess free from the spell? Uh, no, no, because she she is set she is changed back by by the magician by Sakura, uh, uh, Sakura. Sorry, Sakura. Um, yeah, yeah. He he is the one who changes her back. The riddle that's in the lamp is to set the genie free. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I did get that mixed up. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's just to reveal that, I mean, like I, he's a good, it's a good plot line of them trying to get the lamp and trying to keep the lamp from, from, uh, Sakura, but for, a, a a genie who's supposed to have all these powers when they need to get across the bridge and the bridge has been destroyed and they ask him for help and he gives them a rope. <laughs> it's like, really, really? <laughs> 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't you do could. more? Yeah. Just a, just a little bit more, little fella. I mean, come on. Help a, help a guy out, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so that, that the, the, just the amount of what the genie does and, and uh, how he just was kind of underutilized. That's my biggest complaint, my biggest dislike for this mm -hmm. movie. Um, so since that's now our negatives out of the way, do you want to just spend the rest of the time talking about all the things we love about this movie? Well, kind of, but I'm going to have to come out and say, Travis, I've had a change of heart uh -oh. and I have decided that I really think that Harryhausen's work is probably some of the worst thing. I, I can't see. I can't even get it out with a straight yeah, face. I'm so right. sorry. But it, this movie's freaking fantastic, people. Come on. Oh, sorry. Oops. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> See, Edit there I point. go. <laughs> there I go again. There I go again. I am so sorry. But anyway, cut that. You can cut that out. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, the 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 work that Harryhausen did, like, I mean, we're just we're we sound like broken record every time we do one of his movies because we can't just we. That's all we can say is like just how great he is. Mm -hmm. um, but but here again. It's like, it's so fantastic. It's so mm -hmm. fantastic. And, and he was doing stuff in this movie that he wasn't doing in, in any of his previous, previous movies. Like I, I have been talking right. about each time we go through the Harryhausen films that, uh, that he, he keeps it, uh, trying new things and experimenting with things and, and improving his technique. And in this, like, this is the first time that a, fight scene between a stop motion character and a live action character take place on screen. Yeah. The skeleton. Yeah. The yeah. Skeleton. Yeah. So it's just like, it is so fantastic. Um, so yeah, there just, there's, there's nothing more to say other than that. Really? <laughs> the, the, we, I know we talked about what is it in our 20 million miles to earth episode where we talked about how Ray's blending of, the, the human cast and the, the monster and, and the, and the special effects has mm -hmm. gotten really good. Well, in this movie, <clears throat> it got excellent in mm -hmm. my opinion at you for this being like, and we've talked about this before and I'm sure this we'll keep talking about it. Every time we do a Harryhausen film, you can, and it's one of the reasons Travis, you wanted to do these in order because you can literally see the progression <clears throat> Mm -hmm. that Ray made in his work throughout all of these films. Like each film builds, they build like you can, you can tell that that Ray was experimenting with new, with new techniques and maybe new ways of, of the actors and actresses interacting with the, uh, the fantasy characters like the monsters and, and, and what, and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, you can tell that, that Ray is has is growing as he's working here and it's it's really fascinating to watch yeah it it absolutely is um one of the things that i love about some the cre let, let's go into some of the creatures that we see well the first creature we see in this <clears throat> movie is the cyclops which right. is such an iconic monster 
our mm-hmm. iconic creature from Harryhausen's, you know, whole catalog. Uh, when people think of, of Ray Harryhausen, you know, there's, you might think of, might think of the Kraken before this one, but most people are going to imagine the Cyclops. I don't know. When I think of a, when I think of Harryhausen creatures, it's either the Cyclops or the Ymir is what I think of, honestly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying. Like the, the Cyclops is up there as one right. of the first things people think of when they think of Harryhausen. And, uh, and so absolutely so iconic. Um, I remember watching a documentary. There's a great documentary on Amazon um, that's Ray Harryhausen. And it was actually made while he was still alive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there's interviews and stuff with him and it, but it talked about with um, some of the actors and how th- he would be there on location and be like pointing up into the air and being like, that's where the monster is. That's that, or well, he, he never called them monsters, but he would say, that's where it is. Look up there. That's, that's his eyesight. That's his eye line. And then he mm-hmm. would, you know, and he, as they were filming, he would run alongside him and tell him what the creature was going to do, what it was going to, you know, how it was going to react and everything. So he was there with the actors, making sure that they, he got the, that they filmed, the right reactions so that when he went in to create the creatures, he could do it in like in his vision in the way he envisioned it. So it's so as much as like this is like all of Harryhausen films are directed by other people. You know, he never directed anything himself, Mm -hmm. but people don't remember the directors. They remember him and they are his films and especially like these later ones because he had so much creative input and creative control in it uh as you know in the action scenes and everything like that so i just his this is his film through and through yeah absolutely and i i think that i think you it's interesting how us so much all these years later you 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 hit it on the head because now uh, when we talk about modern films, we talk about the directors or, or sometimes we'll talk about the actors that participate in the films. It's very rare that we say we, 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 um, we initially associate a film with its visual effects director or its visual effects studio or whatever. Right. Uh, who, uh, who did, uh, who did King of the Monsters? Who is the one that, that produced is, is it, uh, that did the visual effects for that? What, what house, do you know? Um, oh, was it Weta? It might have been Weta. Let me look and see. Well, while you're looking that up, yeah, we don't, if it is what I can't think, I used to know, but now I can't remember who actually did the visual effects for them. But like, for instance, King of the Monsters, like bringing it back to the fandom, we don't say, well, that's a Weta film. We right. say that is a Michael Daugherty film, which Michael Daugherty is the director. But for these classic movies, uh, the Harryhausen films, I just did it there. We call them Harryhausen films. Where right, it's, exactly. It's, it, it's funny. It's funny the how that works because of how influ- you know how influential and how impactful these movies have been over the years for for fans of science fiction, fans of fantasy movies, anything really. Like I, that's why I that's why I think Harryhausen is a is a national treasure. Like the Harry the. Uh, I cannot remember what Harry what his what his wife's name is. I think it's uh, Greta, maybe um, or Linda, maybe. I can't remember what his wife. I cannot remember what his wife's name is, but um, it's the Ray and whatever his wife's name 
Harryhausen Foundation. And, you know, they do a lot of work in preserving and just create, just making awareness for these films because they are so special because they do deserve to be treasured and looked at and studied for what they are and what they were able to, what they were able to accomplish right. in the time in which they were made. Yeah. And it's uh, Ray and Diana. Ray and Diana. Thank you. I, I don't know why I thought Linda, but, or Greta, I don't know where think, those names came from. I think from, Linda but... might be his daughter. I think Linda. Okay, here, so yeah. maybe. Yeah. Linda or Lisa, something like that is his, uh, is his daughter's, uh, who, who is like maintaining it and everything. Okay. But, uh, oh, as far as the, and, and, and this really, this right here will kind of play into what we're talking about because the, the visual effects for Godzilla King of the Monsters was done by, uh, MPC DNNG, DNEG, sorry, mm -hmm. uh, Method Studios, Raynault, uh, VFX, Rodeo mm -hmm. FX, Olin VFX, ILM, um, all of those worked on Godzilla King of the Monsters. So mm -hmm. that's the thing with special effects nowadays. Special effects are not like done by one person who's, you know, doing all of the work or at least, you know, is in charge of all of the work. It's like split between multiple um different uh you know different vfx houses and different companies and stuff and a big part of that a uh, big part of that is also because of labor laws and uh avoid unions and stuff like that so um so uh it's but you just you just don't get like you don't get a harry housing anymore uh and, and you don't get ones like that like i mean you might you might uh I think maybe Jurassic Park was one of the last ones that you that you had that was like because that was um triplet or, or uh, yeah triplet um what's his name um Phil okay Tippet Tippet uh who did who did a lot of the the creature effects for that so mm -hmm. like you know that's that's really that's really like the last movie that you get that has like the the one person who's doing a lot of the vision in it whereas the the nowadays with special effects you don't do that it's it's mostly the directors who are like here's what i want here's what i want do this and then they send it off to all these different studios and these uh yeah. uh companies and then they put it together um so uh, absolutely, these things are treasures, and they, and they should be viewed uh, like and 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 respected and uh, preserved. Uh, yeah. Talking about the different creatures, so we talked about the Cyclops. Then you have the Rock or the Rock, the the the, the, the giant, the bird, the, the, the two-headed two bird. bird. Yeah. 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 Um, it doesn't appear on screen for very long, but what did you think of this of that creature? Uh, I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was good. Uh, we, this will not be, I think this is the first time. Is this the first, uh, time Ray did a bird creature for a film? Is this the, is this the first one? I think, uh, it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I can't think is, of another one. Yeah. I think this is the very first introduction of, of, of Ray doing like a bird or like a bird creature whatever uh but for anyone who's not familiar it's this giant well the first one we see is a chick and right. then they eat it but later on in the film we see the adult we see the mom and it's this um it's this big two-headed vulture mm -hmm. and i thought it looked i thought it looked good i thought it looked uh, it's 
it 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 has the same issues that animals that Ray did with fur have. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see like the fur and things moving, like from the fingerprints and people touching it and and moving it and stuff. And that's unavoidable, right? That's that's just something that's totally unavoidable here. Right. Um, but as far as it, uh, as far as its interaction with our actors, as far as the way it moved um, and how natural it looked. I would say it's probably like a seven out of 10. Uh, There are better versions of a bird that pop up later on in movies. I know mysterious Island has one. Uh, It has a Mm -hmm. prehistoric bird that the name of it escapes me. I think it's maybe Archaeopteryx or terror bird. Yeah. Yeah. Terror bird. Uh, Henry would know Henry tweet us. Let us know. Um, But yeah, they sh- there's birds that show up later on in the in in the Harryhausen films, and this is the first time he's tried that. And for the first attempt, I thought it looked really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it just falls under the same trap as everything else with fur or feathers, where you can kind of see where people are putting their hands on it, and you just you just have to ignore that kind of stuff, honestly. It's- Right. Yeah. And I think that in that documentary that I watched, I think they even mentioned that it's one of the reasons why Harryhausen kind of shied away from uh, uh, creatures with fur. Uh, mm-hmm. If you ever look at if you look at his his creature collection, like all of the ones that he's done, uh, very few of them do have fur. And a big part of that is because fur is just one of those things that doesn't you can never get look to look natural in yeah. stop motion. I can only think of a handful of of fur and feathered creatures. There's, there's the rock, the roke, and then there's the, the tiger from uh, Sinbad and the eye of the tiger. I think that's what that was, or the golden voyage of Sinbad, whichever one it was. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got, well, you've got the Cyclops with fur at, right on its on legs. legs. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think there's a centaur and, and, yeah. uh, and, one of those, I think it, it might be the, the golden voyage. Um, but yeah, but there's still, it is very few. There are very few and far between because of that reason that they, they just don't look as realistic. Um, and he, so he always leaned more towards, uh, fish reptilian, you know, type mm-hmm. of creatures. Uh, the, but the, the, the rook or the rook or the rock, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, it, it, is another example of Harryhausen kind of uh, breaking through and doing new things. Like he had done flying mm-hmm. effects before. Cause he, he did, but prior to this, he had done um, earth versus flying saucers. Yeah. So he had done flying, you know, stop motion, but to have a living organic thing, supposedly, you know, like it, within the film uh, flying and, and, and interacting with humans the, your human actors that had not been done yet. He had not done anything like that yet. And so that was something new for this film. So I think that even though it's not the best monster in his, you know, monster catalog, it's still just, again, showing he's every movie. He's trying something different. He's trying something new. He's expanding his horizons mm-hmm. and it's just, and it, and it, and he's breaking through breaking new ground and doing it well like doing it fan, doing a fantastic job while breaking new ground. <laughs> and, that, and I think that mm-hmm. it's just great. Um, one of the other creatures in this film is the dragon. So yeah. what did you think? Is of, the, what do you think of the dragon? The centerpiece. 
The dragon is the centerpiece. I think as much as everyone adores the Cyclops and for good reason for this film in particular, I think the centerpiece of it though, is the dragon. Uh, I, I really think that the, that it was a good payoff to have the dragon be introduced at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of having, I think the original plan was to have, because this film was originally like this film has technically, from what I understand, this film does have technically two Cyclops in it because one dies, yes. right? It falls off the cliff. Right. Um, and, uh, but originally the, the final battle was supposed to be between two Cyclops and not a Cyclops versus the dragon. Um, and I'm really happy they went with the dragon because one, it brings that fantasy element, the wizards and warlocks and dragons and, and just fanci- fanciful stuff more mid it's more medieval than middle Eastern, but I'm, I'm willing to forgive that. Um, cause I don't know, is there, is there mythology for, uh, maybe you would know, is there, or someone out there that's listening would know, is there dragons in, in like middle Eastern mythology? I think so. I think so. But they're definitely not this type of dragon. Like this no, is definitely not, a European. Yeah. This, that's what I was going to say. This is definitely a European and it's not quite Asian either because it doesn't have, it's not like serpent. Like it's very, mm-hmm. it's what you would imagine. It's what you would imagine a classic design for a dragon would be, you know, with the big horns, the dinos- the, the four legged dinosaur like body, uh, the big, you know, sort of T-Rex head and, you know, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, breathing fire. Bre- yeah, breathing fire. Uh, but yeah, the, the dragon. Oh man, I would, I would love, I would love to have some kind of representation of the dragon, you know, in my, in my collection. Right. Cause I love mm-hmm. the look of the dragon. I love it. It's, it's, it's like I said, the, the dragon is the centerpiece for me of this film. Um, now it's, it doesn't, I wish it had a bigger role in the film. I wish maybe it was introduced a little earlier, uh, and sort of like what we talked about the, um, like the T-Rex, uh, I think it was with destiny when we talked about Jurassic park and the T-Rex, uh, being sort of this looming force that you see mm-hmm. throughout the movie. The Cyclops is there here. The Cyclops is that for this movie because you always right. are aware there's a Cyclops, right? Right. Uh, but it it kind of gives you a little swerve there at the end when it reveals this big, uh, magnificent looking dragon. And I like the reveal. I like I, I like it being there. I just wish it had a a, a bigger role in the movie right. itself. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. I think it, it would have been nice to see more of it. Um, I do like that it was hinted at early on because you know, all the 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 magician, the uh, Sakura, he is talking about how dangerous this island is, how many things can kill you, and everything. And then he he also lives on this island. This is where his castle is. And then uh, um, Sinbad asks him, like, "Well, how does your castle stay safe?" And he's like, you'll see, <laughs> you know, it's like, and then it's revealed. Oh, he has this big dragon guarding the entrance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. what, um, so yeah, I do. I, I really like it. Um, it's not, it's not up there as, as one of my all time favorites, but it's really good. And it's very memorable. It's one of the things like, even though it had been a few years since I'd seen this. And when I was a kid, the Cyclops and the dragon were the two things that stuck out to me the most, especially mm-hmm. the fight scene between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Um, 
because we have we have that epic fight scene between one of the cyclopses which is a which is a different cyclops it has two horns uh, whereas the first one only had one horn mm-hmm, so it mm-hmm. actually <clears throat> so it is a separate you know totally different one um and uh and that just that epic fight scene between the two of them but i do want to talk about the other creature in this film which is the skeleton oh yeah now, i gonna... forgot i actually forgot there was a skeleton in this movie uh oh wow because yeah. i remember <clears throat> I was like, there's a, well there's obviously a cyclops there's a bird and i know there's a dragon i think that's it and then there then the then the um the skeleton gets revealed. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, there is a skeleton mm-hmm. in this movie. And I was really excited because, uh, the skeleton scene in Jason and the Argonauts is, is one of the most revered scenes in the Harryhausen catalog. One, because it's mm-hmm. so complicated, uh, right. because you've got what six different skeletons moving in unison as like, a, mm-hmm. as a, as a, in a, in a battle sequence. And then you've got, um, them interacting with, uh, with their human, with our human protagonists, but I really enjoyed the skeleton scene in this movie. Uh, I think it was well done. Uh, you could sort of, you could sort of tell that the skeleton, obviously the skeleton's not in the room with, with our, with our lead with Sinbad, but you could sort of tell it in this movie. You could kind of tell that Ray maybe was doing a little bit of experimenting here. Um, but for the most part, I think I think it was well executed. It was believable for sure. Like I, I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a- absolutely. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch. Of course, I I'm you know like you. I'm just looking forward to when we can talk about the Jason and the Argonauts uh, skeleton fight scene because that one. That one is when the when he really really improves this uh, this. <clears throat> technique that he was using here but for a first time doing this for the first time having a, a, like an actual on battle duel or on screen duel battle between a live action character and a stop motion character it, it it just was it was fantastic it was a lot of fun um so before, yeah so before we move on into some of our fun facts. If you don't mind, I want to read sort of an excerpt here from the Harryhausen, the lost films book, uh, the Harryhausen yeah. lost films book that, that talks it's in the, it's in the page that references the seven voyage of Sinbad and it's under the heading, the Cyclops. And so uh, it talks directly about the Cyclops. And since we're talking about the creatures right now, I think it's appropriate. So <clears throat> I'm gonna go ahead and read it. Let me just get it here in front of me so that I can talk directly into the microphone to all of our dear listeners. Uh, uh, And again, this is taken from uh, Harryhausen, the lost movies by John Walsh. Uh, I actually picked this up at a bookstore uh, locally here, but I think you can find it on Amazon for like 35 bucks. I got it for a little bit under that because uh, of the price markdown at my bookstore, but yeah, it's pretty easily accessible if you want to get your hands on this book. It's fantastic. Um, so I recommend anyone who's a fan of this movie or or just a fan of Harryhausen in general, I recommend you get this book. I may even throw I may even throw the link in the, the in the description of this episode for this uh, book if it's still available, which I'm pretty sure it might be. Um, but anyway, as far as the Cyclops go, as far as the Cyclops goes, here here is what it says. <clears throat> 
Uh, one of the most beloved Harryhausen creatures is the Cyclops. Originally, there was uh, there was on screen there was an on screen fight between two of them, and this titanic battle is one of the most dramatic images from Ray's unreleased world. And then it gives a uh, a reference image of the two Cyclops battling it out as the uh, as our protagonists are locked in the wooden cages. Um, for a uh, for a film that is uh, experimenting with color miniature rear proje- color miniature rear projection losing a few scenes may have meant finishing on time and on budget and over and and over spread an over sprint i think there's a typo there um an over over sprint overspend on complicate and overspend on co- on complicated special effects could have put the working relationship between Charles, our director, and Ray Harryhausen at risk. The film was a big hit, and the Cyclops proved to be one of the most enduring characters. Almost a decade after its release, a young fan sent Ray a homemade mask of the Cyclops. Ray was so impressed, he wrote back an encouraging letter convincing the mask maker to take it up professionally. The fan in question, 17-year-old Rick Baker. Um, and anyone who's not familiar with Rick Baker, he worked on, uh, films like Mighty Joe Young, uh, and some others. King Kong uh, 76. Yeah. King Kong 76 is what he's a lot, what he's, what he's known for as well. So he's a very, uh, well accomplished, uh, visual effects, uh, director himself, but <clears throat> it goes on to say, uh, uh, Rick Baker went on to create special effects for the 1998 remake of Mighty Joe Young. In the early years, to save money, Ray would sometimes cannibalize models for future projects. When the Cyclops was skinned so that its metal skeleton could be used for another project, his leg was lost. Years later, in 2017, Chris Bowden and the team at McKinnon and Saunders engineered a replacement leg for the Cyclops. uh, The fitting took place ahead of a major exhibition uh, at the Science Museum of Oklahoma, where the Cyclops was displayed in all his two-legged glory once more. Yeah, and, and something interesting about the the legs of the of the Cyclops too is the reason why they gave it those like hoofed uh, uh, satyr leg like legs mm-hmm. is because they didn't want people to think, oh, that's just a guy in a suit. Like they wanted to make sure people understood this is not a guy in a suit. This right. is, uh, this is Harryhausen creating this creature. There's no way mm-hmm. a person in a suit could do that. Because traditionally, uh, in mythology, I think n- normally, you know, Cyclops are portrayed with more with, with not cloven hooves, if I'm not mistaken. Right. They're more, right, yeah, uh, they're yeah. given like just humanoid uh, feet and legs for the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's really interesting. I love hearing about how directors and, and uh, directors, writers, whatever, you know, have been like had in the past had a connection to uh, someone, you know, like they wrote him a letter or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. You know how you just like, I mean, I think Peter Jackson was also someone who, who wrote, like letters to to people that he really um that he was a big fan of and then like you know grew up to become a great director um getting into some more of the fun facts though uh there was originally going to be some bat-like creatures in this movie but those were taken out 
And they were later reused for Jason and the Argonauts for the Harpies. Right. Yeah. So the, that's uh, interesting. The, the, what do they call them? The It's in the book here. They're called the... Um, uh, the, 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 the the devil bur- oh the the bat devils is what they were called mm-hmm. right yeah um and and talking about the cyclops too one of the things that the uh about the cyclops is uh, and, and me and um me and danny talked about this last week uh we were talking about how a lot of these uh these stop motion animators would reuse armatures and stuff because you know that stuff's expensive to make so they would just reuse it and the the cyclops skeleton was actually built on the ymir body like it was that that was the uh, that was the ymir skeleton that the cyclops was that. built on yeah yeah which is interesting because the ymir the original design for the ymir actually had it only having one eye but then they changed it and gave it two eyes so, and then later on they built and used the same body mold to make uh the cyclops so it's such an interesting way of uh how everything comes back around yeah i mean Um, i think uh you and danny talked about too that you know at the time you couldn't go to your local ace hardware and just pick up the parts for these things everything had to be handmade or hand milled so mm -hmm. Uh, production houses had to be as frugal as they possibly could, uh, which is why you see a lot of similarities between the armatures for some of these hairy housing creatures is because, uh, which it's, it's really, I think it's really important to point out as well that Harryhausen would always refer to his creations as creatures and not monsters. Uh, right. He, he, he always wanted to make that clear distinction. And I think that's even mentioned in the, um, in the documentary that you that we Mm -hmm. talked about earlier yeah yeah absolutely um one thing that i I think is really interesting about this film too is this is the first film in harryhausen's filmography that doesn't take place in a modern day setting Mm -hmm. uh because yeah he had up until this point he did 20 million miles to earth he had done beast uh um Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. He had done It Came From Beneath the Sea, uh, Earth versus Flying Saucers. He was just, and and at this point, he kind of got tired of doing modern day sci-fi monsters, and he wanted to do more fantasy uh, stories and fantasy adventures. And so from here on out, for the rest of his filmography, it's all fantasy stories. Like, we, you don't see any more modern day. Like, I, I think the closest thing you might get to a modern day one is maybe the Valley of Guanji, but it's still still more of a fantasy story than than anything, because um, right. it kind of has that uh, that um, lost world type feel, like H.G. Wells type feel. It does, it does, but it's not super heavy on the sci-fi. It, it is very, it is very it, maybe I would maybe say sci is sci fantasy a, a word to use? Yeah. It's yeah. not quite sci-fi, but it's not quite fantasy either. It's some weird gray area in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack for this movie, we talked about how good the music was. I think Bernard Herrmann's um, score was just fantastic. And, and the fact that he wasn't even supposed to be the one to do it. Like uh, Ray Harryhausen had somebody else in mind, but then uh, Charles Schneer, the uh, the producer, he persuaded Harryhausen to hire Bernard Herrmann. Mm-hmm. And again, 
it was so fantastic. It was so well received at the time that he ended up working with Harryhausen on three other films, uh, the three worlds of Gulliver, uh, mysterious Island and Jason and, and uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the three. That's yeah, the three films that he, he did. Um, yeah. So, uh, but then the soundtrack for this movie was released uh, as a, as a record from Columbia's record label. Uh, and then in later years, it would become one of the most sought after albums by soundtrack collectors. And it was finally released on CD along with the full score in 2009. So it's, you know, you can actually still find, I think uh, this, the, the complete soundtrack for this, this film. Oh, you know, we didn't even talk about the snake lady when we were talking about the creature. Oh, we didn't, did we? Because there's another creature. There's another creature that I actually forgot that was um, that was in this movie as well. Right. That's what I was gonna say. It's like, yeah, she's pretty forgettable since we, you know, the the only thing that gets me is that when they they did a decent job modeling the actual puppet to look like the actual actress who was who was doing the face of it. Because uh, if you, if you look at the face, it, it, like you can all, you can tell that's not a real person. It's obviously a, you know, a, a stop motion puppet, but her face does have the same features and does look at least look the woman who actually, whenever they did the close ups of her from the, from uh, the side, and it was a real yeah, actress from the, from the side angles. Yes. I, we never got, we never got a straight on angle of her face though. Like in when she was in, like when we never got a straight shot of her face when it was supposed to be the armature, we only got a, we only got mm-hmm. a look at her face when it was close ups, Like we said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was replaced um, so, by the actress anyway. Right. So do you want to uh, go ahead and let's get into our Godzuki scores and our final thoughts? Yeah. Let's, um, yeah, let's go ahead and, yeah. and head into our final score. All right. Well, we love to uh, score movies out of five Godzukis instead of five stars or anything else because we love to embrace the silly side of giant monster movies. And we do that by paying homage to the great Godzuki and using him as our yardstick for rating these movies. So, Michael, out of five Godzukis, how many Godzukis would you give? Uh, the Voyage of Sinbad. Well, originally I was going to give this film a three out of five. Um, there was some things that just that I like the film, but um, it, it it was not it it was it's up there for me, but it's not like one of my all time like favorite favorite films. Like I have like my top three favorite Harryhausen films. This is not one of them, um, but. But this is a case of where we're sitting here talking about it and I'm remembering and I'm real and I'm taking the time to really process and evaluate instead of just watching the film. Like I'm going to have to change my score now on the fly and say a four out of five Godzuki's for this film, because I think that this movie is enjoyable by a lot of people. I would show this movie to someone like my wife. Uh, who is not a giant monster fan, who is not a fan of, of Kaiju or anything like that. But I would still show her this movie because like we've already said, this movie is timeless and it, it stands, it has stood the test of time all these years. Um, 
these like 60 plus years that it's been in the ether. And I think it is required watching for anybody who uh, fancies themselves a, a giant monster fan or a fan of fantasy science fiction or whatever. I, I think you should re I think you should automatically, I think you should add this film to your library. Um, I think that you can still find this movie on DVD and Blu-ray. Now the prices vary because mm -hmm. for some reason, um, they've not done a great job at mm -hmm. reproducing these films, at least that I've, that I've seen, I, I've seen a few copies. There's a, there's a Harryhausen collection on Amazon that has this film with a few others mixed in. And I think it's like $50 or something like that, but you can't just go and buy these individual movies unless you buy them digitally uh, or you find them bootleg or, or some or from some third party seller. At least I've not seen them anyway. I've seen uh, a few on eBay, but for ridiculous prices. So they're actually kind of hard to come by, which is a, which is, which is something Danny and I talked about. Uh, which is a shame, really. It's it's a shame that you that these aren't these films are not as easily accessible as they should be, um, because you know films like The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad need to be preserved and need to be enjoyed for as many years as as we can, because they are they are treasures. They are definitely treasures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, my score is I'm giving it a four and a half out of five Godzukis. It absolutely is. It's one of my favorites from the Harryhausen uh, filmography, and I just love it. I have so much nostalgia for it on top of everything else. Um, but I think even taking nostalgia away, I think this is a great film with even yeah. without nostalgia. Um, yeah. This is a great film. Um, I wrote out my final thoughts like I normally do. Watching this movie in the modern day really is a treat. Nothing like this film will ever exist again. Just because of, you're ne like we said, we're, you're never going to have another Harry House and you're never going to have this, this, uh, the nice blend of everything that happened uh, in this movie, the, the effects, the acting, the, the, uh, the the score and, and and sword and sandal movies like this these fantasy kind of adventure movies aren't around anymore you don't you don't really have these kinds of movies anymore so that coupled with the fact that you're just you don't have anyone doing the work like harryhausen's doing in a modern in, in modern filmmaking just means that this this is a mm -hmm. one-of-a-kind movie yeah it's um i will i i, I wouldn't say one-of-a-kind because there's more movies like this but but it is we're we're never going to get anything like this in a modern setting. We're never going to yeah. get this. We're never going to get anything like this nowadays. So it's such a treat to watch. I um, wish all of that the they element. Would. I wish that they would. I'm sorry, I I, I cut you off. But, oh yeah, go, no, go ahead. go ahead. Um, I wish they would, um, do something. I, I there's there were rumors that I heard of like a, a short film, like a Ray Harryhausen esque short film being in produce in production. I think Danny may have told me that. Uh, I don't know how true it is obviously, but um, I would love for the art of stop motion to make some kind of comeback. I know that it's expensive. Uh, that's mm -hmm. probably the main reason why it's not around anymore is because how ex of how expensive it is. Plus uh, we live in a time where not only CG is cheaper, but CG can be made more believable. Uh, but there is just something so special 
about stop motion and these films that, like we've said, that just need to be cherished and treasured and, and right. Preserved. Well, we do still have every once in a while we'll have a stop motion film. Like uh, a, a few years back, it's been a, a little while now, but we had Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, and that was a stop motion one. But but that was stop motion through and through. Uh, there, you know, there was no human characters in it. Um, what's interesting is I would love to see something like this where it blends you know live action and stop motion together. Uh, you just don't see that done nowadays um but yeah yeah we still get some you know some stop motion animated films you know but that's that's a different thing than this um continuing my final thoughts so i think all uh, one of the things i love about this is how all of the elements blend nicely into a cohesive and thrilling experience the music the setting the acting harryhausen's effect all of it comes together in perfect harmony to make a timeless adventure that can be enjoyed by anyone and so just that's that's my thoughts on the film i think anyone whether you're a monster movie fan whether you're a fantasy fan whether you're an adventure movie fan i think anyone has the pot potential to enjoy this film exactly um all right well we can move into the next segment of the podcast and do you know what the next segment is the mailbag the mailbag. What's in the mail today? Well, we have just a short Daisy. Stop it. Well, my cat's being a turd too. He keeps biting my yeah. ankles. Well, she's up here like trying to get into the microphone. It's like he can't. Can't, you're not Beyonce. Nobody cares about you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we just have a short email that we're going to read out. But I want to say, if anybody wants to reach out and email the podcast, you can do that. KaijuWeekly at gmail.com. Please do that because we love hearing feedback from our listeners. Uh, exactly. The short email that, yeah. The short email that we have is from Elijah, and it says, Yo, T-Dog and M-Dog, <laughs> it's, it's the week before Kaiju Quarantine 3 Endgame, and I just have two questions for you. What are you most excited for, and can we expect more Yeti? Um, so... We are recording this just a few days before our next Kaiju Quarantine event, the last Kaiju Quarantine event. Uh, so, but the, the thing is, the this episode is going to be going out afterwards. So listeners, uh, when you're hearing this, keep us in your thoughts and prayers because we are probably going to be so worn out and so tired from this weekend that... <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to know what to do with ourselves. Um, but yeah, so Elijah asks, what are we most excited for, for uh, the Kaiju quarantine that's happening in just a couple of days? So what are you most excited for, Michael? Well, first, well, first of all, I don't want you to misquote uh, Elijah. He did actually say, uh, I was trying to clean it up. <laughs> what he, say, he wrote. What are you most excited for? And can we expect more Yeti nipple is what he wrote. Uh, so I just don't, uh, Uriah, Elijah, uh, I'm so, I didn't want Travis to misquote you. Um, 
So yeah, there you go. That you're you're welcome. Um, but what am I most excited for? Um, just to be with everybody. Honestly, it, it's always a fun time when uh, we can all get together and watch movies together and riff off of each other and just have fun. Like I, I know that you know, 2020 has been weird to say the least. It's it's been a very unconventional year for sure. Um, but it's always a pleasure and it's always really fun when we can just kind of sit around as friends and as fans and just watch movies together and, and, and talk about these movies together in a more candid format. And hopefully uh, the people in the discord will enjoy that because uh, events like, like ours, Kaiju quarantine, uh, Kaiju quarantine, Kaiju Conline, and some others, they've really been the only ways that fans can interact with each other aside from just the usual social media, um, methods. But, uh, especially in, in this year, it being so kind of just weird and abnormal. And, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to that. I'm just looking forward to the community aspect. Um, I'm looking forward to Travis making a lot of Yeti nipple jokes because I'm sure those are going to be. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I don't to know. Elijah is more obsessed with it than I am. <laughs> That's probably true. Now, um, I'm looking forward to Elijah, whatever Elijah has been cooking up in his mad laboratory over the last uh, couple of months. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm just looking forward to the roster of films that we have to watch because we've got some good ones. We've got, you know, Godzilla 2000, King Kong 33, colorized version. Um, Elijah was able to find that for us. Uh, Gamera 3, King Kong, what did I say? Godzilla 2000, Gamera 3, War of the Gargantuas. I mean, and mm-hmm. then we've got a couple destroy of destroy all monsters. Destroy all monsters. That's going to be our grand finale, and I think it's going to be uh, extremely fitting uh, to end on that note because honestly, the 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 concept behind this this marathon this time around was we wanted to pick films that twelve year old, eight year old Michael and eight year old Travis would have loved to watch growing up. Like these are films we're nostalgic for. These are films that we can have fun with. Um, and these are films that we're going to get to watch with our friends. And I think that's the most important part because, you know, like I said, this year has been tough and Mm -hmm. just having a sense of community is important. And I think that that's probably my closing argument or my closing pitch. Um, for Kaiju Quarantine, except for this episode's coming out after Kaiju Quarantine. So that, all that doesn't even matter. I just realized that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I, The thing I'm looking forward to the most is getting to uh, watch these movies with uh, people that I enjoy their company and I enjoy talking to and just getting to laugh. Just getting because every time we do one of these kai, this is the third time we've done kaiju quarantine, and each time has just been a riot. So I am looking forward to just laughing until I'm ready to pass out. <laughs> oh, me too, me too. And I, so. listener, maybe I don't know. Hopefully, I'm not a li- I'm not lying right now. Uh, at least I wasn't. At least I wasn't. Li- I don't know. I don't know how that works now. I'm trying to retrofit something in. I told Travis that I wouldn't drink as much for this marathon because I get really sleepy and get really mouthy during these marathons if I drink mm-hmm. way too much. 
Yeah. Uh, as per the yep. usual, like, yeah. Uh, Final Wars almost killed me. Uh, that was mm-hmm. that's true. Um, and then Jung, <laughs> and then Young Borg Ace that alcohol poisoning. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not yep. really i'm lying i, I didn't get alcohol poisoning <laughs> but it was it was a lot it was intense but uh yeah, oh, I, yeah. I just it was a I, I hope fun. that i hope that if you guys are listening to this and you're listening to us talk about it, i hope that we have i will i hope that we had a great time i really do i i hope that we were able to have a lot of fun with our friends uh alex of monsters versus men nathan of the monster island film vault uh gratton and matt of the giant monster bs podcast you mm-hmm. elijah Travis, I mean, it's just, uh, I hope, I hope that we had fun. I hope that there were a lot of surprises. Uh, I hope that, uh, we laughed. Honestly, I hope that yep. we had a good time and I hope that we just blew the roof off the discord. If discord had a roof, I'm sure we'll blow it off, but that's yep. all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of fun looking forward to it this weekend and uh next next time you hear us uh next episode may we may just be completely drained and 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 broken and beaten down (laughs) because of just the exhaustion from this weekend oh man but yeah so thank you elijah for sending us that email and uh we look forward to uh all the things that you have in store for us for kaiju quarantine and he ends his and note so, with, and he ends his note with Travis. Keep up the flawless work. I think that we do a pretty good job. Don't know if our work is flawless, but thank you, Elijah, <laughs> for those kind words. Uh, we really appreciate it, man. We and I, honestly, for me, uh, thank you for stepping in in my place uh, while I needed to take a short break. Uh, it was it was really appreciated. Uh, it, you and Travis had a lot of fun on that episode. It was extremely entertaining, yeah. and I hope people enjoyed it. Yeah, and thank you to Danny too for filling in too, because Danny. Also oh, absolutely. Oh, I don't. I, I'm forget about Danny. I, Danny. I don't. <laughs> even He's, it's just Danny, it's just Danny Demana, creator of the monster, uh, creator of the Godzilla novelization project. Go check it out. It's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it for our mailbag segment. So again, if you want to send us an email like Elijah did, please do that. Kaijuweekly at gmail.com. So the only other thing to do for this episode is to ask the trivia question for next week, which is not really a trivia question because next week is the big one year anniversary of Kaiju Weekly. It has been one full year of doing weekly episodes of this show like i i started this podcast and well you know what i'm not even gonna get into it i'm not gonna get into it because that's all gonna be talked about next week but so the question we wanted to ask everyone is what is your favorite episode from the first year of kaiju weekly so out of the 50 episodes that we have done or 49 episodes that we have done so far which one is your favorite what is your favorite moment what is your favorite uh fake ad that we did early on (laughs) all all of those things send them to us at kaiju weekly on twitter kaiju weekly at gmail.com make sure to send us uh all of that because we will read it out and we'd love to hear what things that we've done that you've enjoyed over the last 52 weeks 
to finish off this episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly and at Kaiju Groupie Pod. All the links to our social media as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. A big thank you to Alex and Shijir for supporting us on Patreon. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash kaijuweeklypod. Oh, it's my turn? Oops. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, that sounds good, Travis. But you know what? One other way they can help support this podcast is by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. Just like I say every week, well, at least the not the two weeks I wasn't here, but you get my point. Uh, if you leave us, if you leave us a five star review, you can comment or you can criticize us all you want in the comment. Uh, but as long as you make it five stars worth, we promise we will read that feedback on a future episode. And what that's going to do is that's going to help put this show in uh, in front of other kaiju and tokusatsu fans just like you. It's going to help us grow. It's going to help Travis go and see the goo. Uh, it's going to help. Um, it's going to help Travis want to share his love of Yeti nipples with more special guests like we did with a few others this past uh, couple of months. And oh, yeah. Destiny. <laughs> Yeah. Destiny message message us on Twitter and said, I'm getting I'm finally watching Yeti, and everyone's like, No. And then she comes back on Don't Twitter and it's like she she's like, Oh wow, that movie. I'm like, Well, to be fair, everybody warned you. I didn't warn you, but everybody else did. <laughs> That's true. Uh but oh, yes, man. if you will if you will do that for us, dear audio listener, we will really appreciate it. And uh again, just send us just send us a review, help us grow. Uh, send us feedback uh, via kaijuweekly at gmail.com and we'll read it. Yep. Yep. And uh, and so to close out this episode, I'm going to say help control the monster hunter monster population. Have your laryngitis uh, spayed or neutered. <laughs> Is there a vaccine for that? My, I don't remember what mine was called now, but laryngitis. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. <laughs>